Hello and uh, welcome to the In Focus podcast. I'm Shubhashree Desikan, your host for today, and we'll be discussing a very exciting development in astronomy. An international team of astronomers led by Jane S. Graves of Cardiff University, UK, has announced the discovery of traces of a molecule known as phosphine on Venus. This has caused great excitement because, given the chemical and geological composition of Venus, this can imply the existence of life forms that release this substance through biochemical pathways. The paper published in Nature Astronomy is a careful exposition of work done over many years. Professor Graves first spotted phosphine in observations using the James Clerk Maxwell Telescope which is in Monaki Observatory in Hawaii in 2017. The group pursued the research with the 45 telescope array ALMA, also known as Atacama Large Millimeter Submillimeter Array in Chile. Their observations were confirmed by this extremely sensitive instrument too. So now, let us talk about this exciting development with Prajwal Shastri, astrophysicist based in Bangalore. Hello Prajwal. Hi. It's great to talk to you today and uh, extraterrestrial life is always so exciting to think about. Uh, but even in science fiction, we usually talk of uh, Martians. We never suspected that there might be life on Venus, did we? Or uh, what, what, do, what is your thoughts on that? Um, yes, so uh, in our science fiction folklore, Martians uh, have been imagined as sentient beings, uh, sort of like ourselves. You know, uh, uh, and such sentient beings have not been imagined on Venus. Uh, the conditions on its surface are uh, what Earthlings would think of as extremely hostile, very high temperatures, uh, a few hundred Celsius pressures, also very high, about a hundred times that on Earth, um, an atmosphere full of carbon dioxide, uh, sulfuric acid rain, and all of this. So. Uh, these are pretty hostile conditions. But at higher altitudes on Venus, uh, it has been speculated for several decades, uh, even by Carl Sagan, that aerial life might exist uh, floating around in uh, uh, at what Earthlings would call mild temperatures and pressures. Uh, except that on Venus, at such altitudes, uh, the environment is pretty acidic with sulfuric acid. So any aerial life, uh, it has been known, uh, would uh, need to somehow tolerate sulfuric acid. So that is why we haven't uh, worried too much about Venus. But then this group led by Jane S. Crave has uh, discovered that uh, there are 20 parts per billion of this molecule called phosphine in Venus's atmosphere. And that is what uh, the excitement is all about. What is phosphine and why is it so interesting? Uh, so phosphine is a molecule, uh, technically phosphorus trihydride. So one phosphorus atom is attached to three hydrogen atoms. It is sort of like ammonia. Ammonia is one nitrogen atom attached to three hydrogen atoms. So ammonia is nitrogen trihydride and phosphine is phosphorus trihydride. Phosphine is a molecule which is not so easy to produce. So on Earth, 
a lot of the phosphine is anthropogenic. That is, it is produced by humans through industrial processes. But it is also known to be produced in anaerobic ecosystems, that is, decaying organic matter. So orga microorganisms in an environment that is free of oxygen would produce phosphine. Phosphine has also been detected on planets like Jupiter and Saturn. Uh, and so phosphine is, in that sense, not an unknown molecule in astrophysics. However, the reason that this group hunted for phosphine traces or signatures on Venus was because it was regarded as a biomarker. It was because it was unknown, uh, it was because it was known that microorganisms under oxygen-less environments produce phosphine. They've done a very careful job of uh, doing this uh, experiment, right? They have made two, they made use of two facilities, the James Clerk Maxwell Telescope as well as the uh, Atacama Large Submillimeter Array. Uh, and they made independent measurements in uh, 2017 and 2019 again, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Can you comment on uh, the careful nature of the, how, why they have been so cautious? So, uh, Yes, they first proposed to uh, detect this with the James Clerk Maxwell Telescope, which does have instrumentation uh, to measure, make measurements at around one millimeter. And the signature of phosphine occurs at that frequency or wavelength uh, of uh, 1.123 uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, millimeters. And uh, the uh, James Clerk Maxwell Telescope is located on Mauna Kea in Hawaii, which is a mountaintop at about 4,500 meters above sea level, uh, which is suitable uh, to do uh, to make measurements uh, of millimeter wave emissions from the sky. Uh, you do need to get to high altitudes because the atmosphere is not that transparent uh, to millimeter frequencies, unlike uh, meter wavelengths, for example, uh, which you can do from the ground. Uh, millimeter, for millimeter wave uh, frequencies, you do need to go to high altitudes, and Mauna Kea is a good site for that. So they first went to that telescope, and they did find a signature, uh, the signature that they were actually looking for. And uh, uh, it, was very, it was a very clear signature, but they, uh, it was still... Uh, a somewhat surprising result from some respects. And so they sought to confirm that with the Atacama Large Millimeter Wave Array uh, in Chile. Uh, this, is, uh, this telescope can uh, make much sharper images and more sensitive images. So it was the obvious telescope to go to in order to confirm what they got from the James Clark Maxwell Telescope. Uh, however, uh, their uh, careful analysis goes well beyond that because they are claiming um, a detection of phosphine that is anomalous. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, a detection of phosphine in Jupiter or Saturn would not be anomalous because there are conditions there uh, which can produce phosphine, and this is known. Uh, such conditions do not exist uh, on Venus. Uh, conditions meaning, uh, you know, sort of geochemical processes and chemical processes that could produce 
phosphine do not exist on venus because uh, on jupiter you have the very high temperatures and pressures and hydrogen uh, which are needed to produce phosphine you know, same on saturn this is produced in the core of jupiter and then convected uh, to the surface and jupiter and saturn are both uh, gas, gas planets whereas on venus uh, such conditions even though venus has very very high temperatures and pressures they're still not high enough to produce phosphine and also the lack of hydrogen so none of these conditions are met on venus and therefore they have gone to great uh, extents uh, to confirm uh, that uh, that idea that uh, they have looked at every possible uh, process known every possible chemical process known that could produce phosphine mm -hmm. so um, uh, of course i already mentioned that uh, the uh, the conditions uh, on venus are not conducive to this but they have looked at for example volcanic activity that might sporadically produce phosphine they've looked at lightning in venus's atmosphere and lightning venus is known to have uh, lightning in its atmosphere so they've looked at that they've looked at uh, possible delivery by meteorites uh, mm -hmm. and uh, so on and they have looked at so they've looked at all these processes even even processes uh, triggered by the solar wind mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they have made detailed calculations using uh, the data we know on venus uh, namely the composition of the atmosphere and so on and uh, simulations of the chemical processes computer simulations of the chemical processes and none of these processes yield phosphine in the amounts that they have detected they get uh, they all fall short by you know several tens of thousands times uh, shorter or even sometimes a million times shorter than what is needed uh, by their detection. I see. That's very interesting. Then does that leave out life as the only possible, you know, reason for phosphine to exist there? Why, why is phosphine a sign that there may be life out there? Uh, can you just repeat that? You mentioned it briefly earlier, I think. So phosphine has been known to be produced uh, in uh, ecosystems which are oxygen-free by microorganisms. Mm -hmm. And uh, that seems to be uh, the only way that phosphine can be generated uh, in uh, conditions where you, know, you don't have these high temperatures and pressures and hydrogen. So uh, since they have ruled out every possible mechanism they could think of, in fact, they say they've ruled out every possible chemistry mechanism they could think of, uh, others could think of, others they know could think of, the referees of the papers could think of. They've ruled out all of these. Uh, so then there are only two possibilities left. One is that this is produced by a process which is completely unknown. Mm -hmm. uh, and the second is that it is pro produced by microorganisms uh, in the way that we know microorganisms produce it on Earth. So either way, it is very exciting. Mm. In one case, uh, it is pointing the way to an entirely new, uh, some entirely new chemistry, which we don't know about. Mm. Uh, and in the other case, it is pointing to the possibility that 
uh, there are microorganisms in the clouds of Venus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a, seems to be a win-win situation either way, whether we find life or not. Uh, the existence of phosphine has given very interesting possibilities. Yeah. And uh, ozone is also a biomarker of life, isn't it? The, it has been uh, seen earlier in other places like Enceladus. And can you talk a little bit about ozone? Uh, so, you know, life on Earth depends on oxygen, which is abundant in our atmosphere. And when ultraviolet light uh, shines on it, it splits the oxygen molecule into two oxygen atoms. And some of these atoms could combine with uh, an oxygen molecule to give the ozone molecule, which is basically three oxygen atoms in a molecule. Um, and so, yes, so ozone has been considered as a biomarker, meaning uh, uh, a signature of uh, the possibility of life. There are, uh, there are actually uh, thousands of um, molecular compounds uh, that could be produced by life forms. Um, now, these compounds, uh, of course, if we have to detect them on Earth, then these compounds have to be in molecule, in gas form, uh, because then when these molecules are backlit, uh, we can detect on Earth the modification of the light by these molecules, which is how phosphine was detected on Venus. So Venus uh, reflects sunlight. Um, and uh, there are the there is the light that comes from uh, not maybe directly the so so Venus is heated to some degree and therefore emits a continuum of light and also other molecules which are sort of in the lower layers of the atmosphere um, also emit light and against this background. Uh, phosphine is detected because the phosphine molecules eat away some of that light to mm-hmm. create a signature uh, in in the light. I mean, we need to spread the light into what is called a spectrum, just like a prism would spread light into its rainbow colors, mm-hmm. um, and then look at the features in the spectrum. And that is how signatures of different molecules and atoms and so on uh, can be seen Mm -hmm. and uh, that is how phosphine was seen but similarly other molecules uh, also can be seen so people have investigated uh, methane or nitrogen nitrous oxide uh, dimethyl sulfide uh, dimethyl disulfide and so on so there are several such compounds Mm-hmm. But phosphine was a relatively um, uninvestigated uh, molecule as a biomarker, mm-hmm. uh, which is also why this uh, result is very interesting. So I, since what is the next step then that uh, to, to verify this discovery or make sure that we're not wrong? And... Uh, so uh, the signature that they have seen is basically one uh, so-called absorption line. That is one bit of the background light eaten away by the phosphine molecule. Uh, Normally, when we seek to uh, detect elements, uh, atoms or molecules, that is elements or compounds uh, in uh, such gaseous uh, regions, we look for 
patterns of lines. So a given molecule would create um, several lines at specified frequencies. Uh, and we know what those are from laboratory studies. And when we see such a pattern of lines, we are sure then that it is that molecule uh, which, uh, which is eating away at the backlit light. Mm -hmm. uh, here, there is only one uh, line that has been seen. So the, so the obvious step is to look for other spectral features uh, of phosphine. Uh, mm -hmm. And the other thing is to look for that in um, other, perhaps, other uh, external bodies in exoplanets and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, but in Venus itself, uh, the obvious step is to look for other spectral lines. And then the step is to actually do an in situ investigation, meaning actually go to Venus and sample the atmosphere at the altitude where uh, this detection has been was made, and in principle bring back the samples, or in any case do an analysis of the sample to actually look for the organisms that might produce or to look for all possible sources that could result in the phosphine in those uh, regions. Mm -hmm. So this would involve uh, spacecraft. Is India thinking of any space missions to go to Venus and uh, do this kind of study, in-situ study? So uh, there is a mission talked about called Shukrayan uh, in the next few years. Uh, it is not clear what uh, that mission would do um, yet, but they are talking about a mission. Uh, and it could be uh, quite exciting, especially uh, if it is done in a spirit of you know, international cooperation. If it is done, done just in a spirit of international competition of getting India onto the map, etc., then it is not clear what can be accomplished scientifically because there have been many missions to Venus uh, mm -hmm. right since the 70s. Uh, there have been uh, missions to mean Venus which have orbited around Venus and there have been landers as well. There have been balloons which have been dropped into the atmosphere of Venus uh, and uh, have made studies. Um, in fact, uh, one of those uh, missions detected phosphorus, uh -huh. uh, but that detection was sensitive only to the element phosphorus. It was not sensitive. It was not designed to measure compounds, to mm -hmm. detect compounds. Uh, but all that we know about the atmosphere of Venus and the composition and the sulfuric acid and so on and so forth, uh, all these uh, results have come from these missions to Venus, uh, which have studied the atmosphere. Uh, it is a very uh, hostile environment, so it is not easy uh, uh, to do these studies and to send missions in there, but now with very advanced uh, robotics, uh, it is quite uh, feasible to send missions there to do the kind of studies uh, that are needed. And this particular result of the detection of phosphine uh, will hopefully uh, make a huge uh, impact in terms of how those missions are designed and what they will look for. 
but international collaboration is key. Uh, so, for example, um, most of the public imagination that was triggered around Chandrayaan 2 was about it being the fourth nation to soft land on the moon and so on. Mm -hmm. um, uh, whereas the first soft landing had happened as early as 1966. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was more emphasis on that rather than on the scientific investigations that the orbiter and the lander would accomplish. Uh, and so then the crash landing became a huge uh, disappointment. But on the other hand, if if these uh, missions are designed in the sort of strongly collective spirit of international cooperation and, uh, you know, science exploration is the enterprise that knows no borders. Mm -hmm. So then different missions can complement each other and uh, in if that happens, then the science that comes out uh, can be really, really exciting. Wow, that sounds like a real uh, wonderful thing to look forward to. Yeah, I really hope what you say comes through and we carry on in a spirit of cooperation and uh, international collaboration. Thank you so much, Prajwal. It was wonderful talking to you on this. Thank you. It was my pleasure.